Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Joseph from New Mexico. My question is about shorting. I'm interested in shorting, but I don't know anything about it. And provides unbiased answers. Probably start with Investopedia.com. Buying long is when you buy a stock to hold it. Selling short is just the opposite. Invest Talk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. Hi, Justin Osti. This is Leo calling from Hawaii. I'm calling to get your recommendation on diversification on the various sectors. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast good afternoon everybody and welcome to invest talk it is wednesday june 2nd 2021 i appreciate being with me and of course on this program and podcast we operate with the same mission statement we've mentioned every beginning of the show independent thinking and shared success okay so we will provide you all the information you want we'll answer all your financial questions as best we can. Anything about the stock market is good. We'll talk about that. So you give me a call and I'll answer the questions the best I can. I'm having trouble with some of my software today, so you'll have to bear with me if I don't have a complete answer for certain things. Okay, I'm Steve Peasley, and of course, I encourage you to contact me with your financial investment questions. Yes, you get to share, shape the show anywhere you want, any way you want. You take in the direction that feels comfortable to you. As long as it's financial, I'll go with you. Okay? So let's go ahead and get to the first question. Our number, our number that never changes, 888-99-CHART. So here's our first question. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Marcy from Idaho. And I bought uh, gold mini shares, IAU, a couple days ago, and within i think a day or two of buying a small position in it they did a reverse split so now i own half as many shares but yes at a higher price and so i'm trying to figure out what the benefit of that was and it's that kind of makes me feel nervous are they unstable did they need to do that for any particular reason should i get out of that one and maybe find a different gold etf or something like that to get into i was wondering what your thoughts were on their reason for doing that thank you and i'll be listening for your answer and i appreciate all you do bye well to do a split or reverse split all that does is change the price okay as far as the people who are deciding to do the split or reverse split so a reverse split is when they think the price is too low, they want it to be higher. Okay, when it thinks it's too high, they'll do a normal split to drop it down. And you'll get more shares if they do a regular split and less shares if they don't. It has nothing to do with anything fundamentally with the ETF or the stock. Okay, so they they are now trading at $36.37. Uh, let's see, I don't know. Uh, okay, series gold. I don't know what the split was, the reverse split was. I'm not, I'm not seeing it here. I'd have to read something, but it was only to get the price up. It has nothing to do with, um, with the fundamentals or what they do, and so you don't need to change this one. IAU, 
is iShares Gold Trust, an ETF seeking performance corresponding to the day-to-day price movement of the price of gold. So it's tracking the gold itself. So don't you, there's nothing to worry about. It really isn't. My focus point today, five reasons you should not sell your stocks during a market crash. People react emotionally. You need to stop. And I'm going to give you some reasons why you shouldn't do it. Now, you know, things are, you know, the stock market is volatile. You will have volatility. It's how you deal with it tells me, and it should tell you, how you're going to do in the long term in the stock market. It's important that how you deal with a market meltdown, that is a key reason in how successful or unsuccessful you'll be. And it has nothing to do with that market meltdown. It's how you react to it. Okay, so that's going to be my main issue we're going to talk about, a focus point. My trivia question will highlight the world's largest medical device companies. Do you know who they are? Can you name them? We'll do that at the halfway mark of the program, as I do every time I do the show. Other topics that I want to talk about. How about the Beige Book came out today? Do you know what the base book is? Do you know what it says? How also, um, what Chinese are Chinese stocks? Are Chinese stocks starting to move? And should what should you do about it? Should you do anything? And we're gonna have lots of data out this week, even though it's a holiday short week, we're still gonna have lots of data. So I'm going to share some of that data that we're going to have. That's that's other things we're going to get to. But, of course, you are the driver. You tell me what you want to talk about. The market today, well, it was up. Ended up being up. It was down, up and down, up and down. It was up nicely this morning, gave all that up. It was down, and then at the end of the day, came back. The Dow was up 25 points. The Nasdaq up 20 points. And the S&P 500 at 6. And those are pretty small moves and you see, like, it feels like, and it appears if you look at a chart, that the stock market is trying to work off that minor correction it had. It wasn't a very big one. I think it got 8% on the NASDAQ, only 3 to 5% on the other indexes. So it wasn't a, rate, it wasn't a big correction, but it was a correction. Um, and it's trying to work that off. The only way we know for sure that it is successful in working off that correction is if the prices go higher than they were before. In other words, new highs for the indexes. And we'll see. They're getting close. We'll see. So we're headed into a quick break, everybody. And our questions and answers session will continue. You, you, it'll only be a minute. Well, the break will only be a minute. But you got to get your calls in if you want to talk to me. Call me now at 888-99-CHART. stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk alize quiz. The InvestTalk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Joseph from New Mexico. My question is about shorting. I'm interested in shorting, but I don't know anything about it. And I want to 
know what you think of places or books to read or where I'd start just to learn about shorting and to learn about the, the shorting business in general. Thanks. I look forward to the answer. Bye. Probably start with Investopedia.com. Uh, Investopedia.com is a very good website. It has, uh, it has the definition of every investing term. It has tutorials and those kinds of things. Shorting everybody, when you sell a stock short as opposed to buying a stock long, that's the normal thing people do. They buy a stock. That's called buy long or buying long. That No one uses those terms anymore, but that, that being long a stock means you own it and that you're going to keep owning it. That's what being long, I'm long this stock. That used to be a very common term that no one uses anymore. But buying long is when you buy a stock to hold it. Uh, selling short is just the opposite. What you're doing in selling short is you're borrowing somebody else's stock. And the brokerage house lets you do that by putting in an order, sell short, 100 shares of, of AT&T. They'll, they'll, they'll lend you somebody else's stock. You sell it now. You sell it to today's price. Okay, so it shows up in your portfolio as a negative 100 shares of AT&T equaling minus $3,250 if it was selling for $32.50 a share. So it's a minus figure on your, on your, in your statement. Your hope is it'll go down because you borrowed the stock and you have to give it back at some point. It's in it. There's no time limit, but you have to give it back someday. And at some point, you're going to buy it back and hopefully at a lower price, give it back to the that trading house that you borrowed it from. And then if it went down, let's say from $32.50 to $30, right? So you made $2.50 a share because it went down. Because you now get to give it back and then you, you made the difference. That's selling short. Hope that makes sense. So he's asking, where do I learn to know how to do that? Well, first of all, you got to make sure whatever brokerage you're trading with will allow you to sell short. Do they have that ability? Because some of the, you know, very small brokerage firms don't do that. Um, but you got and so, not all stocks are shortable. In other words, you can't borrow them. Not all stocks are borrowable. So. There's different things you got to know about selling short. Good question, though. Let's talk to Sid in Canada. How you doing, Sid? Hi, Steve. Good evening. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for the call. Thank you for wonderful show. I'm always listening. I have a one symbol to discuss with you is about discovery that has actually fallen badly in the month of April. Yes. And. Other numbers looks great uh, in terms of the things, but I want to look at your feedback before I get into the position. Can you please okay. help me? Yes. The reason why it fell back so hard is, remember, AT&T sold Discovery, uh, sold Warner basically to Discovery, okay? And the new company, they're combining the new the Warner uh, Warner Group or Warner Entertainment, Warner Brothers Entertainment with Discovery, and they're going to call it Warner Brothers Discovery. So the investors didn't like that deal, did not like the deal, and it drove the stock down. Now the stock's at thirty-two dollars instead of close to eighty. Okay, so now is it a good deal at this price? 
That's really the question. Is this the price it's a good deal at? Because I frankly think it was a good, it's a good combination. I know it's, I, I thought, thought it was good for AT&T, but I think it's a good combination. And right now, they're, they're scheduled to make $3.07 next year and a $32 stock. So it's selling right around 11 PE, which is pretty low. Now, Discovery didn't have much growth. Most recent quarter grew 4%. Never did have much growth. So the idea is maybe with the combined companies, they'll do better. But they had to take on a lot of debt, and that's what the investors didn't like. They did not like it, Sid, and that's what drove the price down. And uh, I would say it looks at a pretty good price to me right now. I might be patient with it, but it has a very good return on equity, good cash flow. There's a lot of positive. The debt load is the big negative. But this might be the price it's going to settle down at. We'll see, around the $30, $33, $30 to $33 range, I think is a good place for it to settle. And we'll see if it stops going down. I would wait to see if it settles down. Thanks for the call, Sid. Appreciate it. D-I-S-C-A is the symbol, everybody. Okay, um, the Beige Book comes out every four to six weeks from the Federal Reserve, from the, the various districts who are reporting the, the economic conditions in their district. And overall, they said there was moderate, a moderate pace of expansion. That's their conclusions after they did their surveys in their districts. Was there, was there nine districts, 12 districts, 12 districts, nine voting members, 12 districts. Thank you. Um, they said that uh, staffing, buying people is, is modestly growing. They like that word moderate and modestly in the report. That seemed to be uh, the, the tenor, tenure of the whole report, that it was just moderately and modest growth and expansion. But they also said price pressures increased further than from the report before, the four to six month, four to four to six week report before. They come out, they don't come out like every four weeks. It's more like five weeks. It's it's a weird situation how they do it. I don't know how they come up with their term. But that's what they said. They said price pressures are increasing. Uh more than they were uh, the five-week period before in the last page book. Well, that's kind of obvious. We've talked about this. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. So why are we here today? Why am I doing this podcast? Why are you listening? Well, we all want better, better knowledge, better information, more information. If you're going to invest, it never hurts to keep piling on the information. You always will learn more and more and more. And that's why you're listening. And that's hopefully why you will call and ask your questions. Okay, so this is Invest Talk. You can call our anytime listener line number at 888 99Chart. Look at the calendar. Summer is days away, inflation is up personal income is down. Now, maybe more than ever, you've got to optimize your portfolio investments. To do that, you'll need the right information and a planning strategy adjusted for your situation. 
So you'll have questions for Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. And the Talk phone lines are open now. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's talk about our focus, my focus point today. It's coming out of, I think, USA Today is the article that I'm quoting. Five reasons you should not sell your stocks during a market crash. Okay, so we're talking about like during COVID or during the last crash, was it 2008? I mean, the best time to buy any stock market is after the crash happened at the bottom of the market. But no one knows where the bottom is, and that's where your fear comes in. So you're fearful, so you sell because you don't know where the bottom is. What if I sell? It fell twenty. My money fell twenty percent. I lost thousands of dollars. Oh no! Get out. Then the market falls to thirty percent. I was right. Yay! Then the market turns around, goes up a hundred percent in one year, like it did in two thousand and nine after the two thousand eight crash. When do you get back in? How do you know when it's at the bottom? You don't. No one knows. No one knows. Don't think they do. They don't. So for most people, you don't even think about it. You don't react to it. Remember, selling, number one, number one, some of the reasons, right, these five reasons. Number one, selling realizes your losses permanently. So when you sell a stock and you lost because the market went down 50% and dragged down your stock with it, you now have lost that 50%. Now, maybe sometimes you want to realize that loss so you can apply realized gains to the law so you don't have to pay capital gains tax. But we're talking about people selling in a panic, not using rational thinking, like I just suggested, wanting to capture the loss to apply to gains. That, that's irrational thinking, just selling the losses. You're not selling it at a loss. That's, not, that's irrational time, not rational. Uh, there's nothing different about your company. If the company is exactly the same company as it was when you bought it, and then it crashed, the stock crashed 50%, but it's exactly the same company, why wouldn't you buy more at a cheaper price? No, people sell it. The stock market's the only place I know that when stocks go on sale, people run from it. When, when, when anything else goes on sale... The consumers run to it and buy it, except in the stock market. Three, you'll miss your dividends. If you buy and have a portfolio of dividend-paying stocks, if you don't own it, you're not going to get your, your dividends. So if that's the reason you bought the company was for the dividends, you just lost that. Re- you sold the company for absolutely no reason. You bought it. For, you didn't buy it with your reasoning sound. Because you wouldn't have bought, wouldn't have sold it. You actually buy more because the dividends would pay, keep paying, and it'd be a higher percentage on a lower cost base. And fifth reason, it's really a bad habit selling stocks, good companies that you plan to hold on to. You get into the habit of selling, and it will, it'll keep doing it. And you know what? There has been study after study after study showing that people. Always sell at the bottom and they buy at the top. Listen to this radio show when people ask me about stocks. And the stock has already made a huge run. And they're asking me whether they should buy it now. Buying at the top. Where where were you last year when we were talking about buying commodities? We think we're going to have a commodities run. Uh, And why didn't you start thinking about buying at them? Because it didn't make its move. 
you have to that's if you're going to make money in the stock market you got to think ahead that's a smart move and you got to think without emotion involved in your decision making it's it's hard it's hard let me t- it's, i know it's hard okay let's keep moving Let's, uh, let's, here's a call that came in earlier. The Invest Talk voice bank is full, so we got to get to some of these. This call came in from Florida, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, Vince from Orlando. Looking for y'all's thoughts on ticker symbol PK, Park Hotels and Resorts. Got in on the COVID lows and the dips, and it ran up to about 14 and 15. I was up over 100%. Took some profits. Now it's ran up and kind of held steady at uh, around the $20 range. Used to have a good dividend, but they cut that probably due to COVID. Just looking for your thoughts on the stock and if I should get out of it entirely. Thank you. Okay, Park Hotels and Resorts, PK. So that was a very good buy. Bought it at the bottom. Operates a diverse portfolio of market-leading hotels, resorts with significant uh, value in the United States. Okay. They're going to make $0.97 cents next year. Okay, not this year. They're going to lose $1.16. Last year, they lost $1.67. But in the days that they were operating, they were making between 2 and $3 a share, and it's at $21 a share right now. So I would use $253 as a, maybe 2023's revenue. Remember, I'm going out pretty far. And that tells me the stock is pretty low in price. Uh, so I would probably hold on to it and just, just uh, if, if it drops below support, which is about 18, I'd probably get out. Okay, the pandemic has evaluated, I'm sorry, the pandemic has elevated the prominence of healthcare and medical device companies. Obviously, we need that we need all that testing, right? Especially us as, uh, baby boomers. So as we go to break, here's my trivia question: Can you name at least three of the world's largest medical device companies? And I'll give you a hint: they are not all headquartered in America. So after the break, I will supply the answer. But for now, my phone lines are open. Time to call 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. Tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk podcast downloads. Let them know they can choose an episode that covers their topic of interest. Download free anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or investtalk.com. 
Okay, you know, I asked a trivia question before the break, and I asked about uh, the, the largest, three largest, uh, world's largest medical device companies. And they're not all headquartered in the United States. So here are some of the players. Medtronic, from the Republican Ireland, was founded in 1949. Medtronic is a medical device company founded in 1949 by Earl Baker and Palmer Hermansdale. It is uh, headquartered in uh, Ireland, but ha- but has its executive headquarters in Minnesota. And it generates most of its money in the United States. Then there's Philips. That's Amsterdam in the Netherlands. 1891. It's a Dutch company, corporation, headquartered in Amsterdam. Uh, it is one of the largest electronics companies with its main focus on lighting and health care. In, in 1891, by the way, it's founded by father and son, Frederick and Gerald Phillips. Johnson Johnson in New Jersey. I've been to their their corporation headquarters. It's very nice, very large. Lots of green, open spaces. It was founded in 1886. Johnson Johnson is an American international corporation. Robert Wood Johnson and his brothers, they found it. It operates more than 250 Subsidies, uh, companies, 175 different countries, has grown to be one of the most important corporations with sales of more than $70 billion. Siemens Healthcare out of Berlin, Germany. Abbott Laboratories out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, Abbott has been able to be the most prominent pharmaceutical company in India for over 100 years. Abbott. Interesting, huh? Uh, okay, this is Investalk, and I appreciate your decision to listen, and I hope you've told your friends about this our free podcast. But now let's get to another qu- answer from uh, Florida, a question that came in, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin and Steve. Matt from South Florida. Hope you're doing well. Great show. Been listening for over a year, so I think I know what your opinion will be on this brand-new stock, but thought I'd bring it up anyway to get your opinion. Ticker symbol PAY. It debuted on the New York Stock Exchange today, Paymentus. It's in the Biller Direct bill pay category. Competitors would be Fiserv, Repay, ACI. It's about a 255 PE, uh, 11 cents earnings per share. I'm guessing you guys will say, like most uh, IPOs, it's overpriced. But thought I'd uh, get your opinion in case there's something about this sector that would cause you to take a, uh, a second look. Thanks, and I'll listen on the podcast. Okay, it's called Payments Holdings, P-A-Y, it's a symbol, headquartered out of Redmond, Washington. Provides a cloud-based platform for bill payment technology by an omni-channel. Okay, uh, again, you, you, you know what we think because it's brand new. It's, what, a week, two weeks old? Sales growth is pretty dynamic, but they're only, it's $92 million last quarter. Okay, and it's growing about 25, 30% per quarter. But it's a $4 billion company, $33.50 stock, $4 billion. Uh, and they're going to make $0.12 cents or so. At least they're making money. That's a good thing. But wait till at least six months after the IPO. Because almost every IPO, most of them, vast majority of them, will be selling below their IPO price after six months. Right? Why? Because insiders get to sell and get to take some profits. And, you know, the insiders are the ones who 
you know, are realizing at that point their, their, their work that they did in the company and they took an IPO so they could diversify and have all their money tied up so they can benefit from some of their hard work. Anyway. This is Best Talk. 888-99-CHART is our number. I'd love to hear from you. Anytime you want to call, I will answer. Have you taken a look at the Chinese stocks lately? I'm talking about, I'm not going to recommend any, but like 360 Digitech, uh, NetEase, JD.com, Tenant, you know, on and on and on. It looks like to me that we might be at the beginning of a run-up in the, in the Chinese stocks. I don't know for sure, but... But, you know, I'm always looking, I'm always looking forward. I'm always trying to figure out, well, what's the next big thing? What, what should I be watching out for? What, what looks like it might take off? And it seems like the Chinese talks might be putting in a bottom and coming off that bottom at this point. Uh, it's, just, it's just a beginning of a thought. Um, right now, they look like, you know, if you're going to buy it, if that was where you're going to be, um, you have to look at each individual stock, take a look at the fundamentals, make sure the fundamentals are in place, but it does look like we're going to see a run to me. Maybe what you could do is pay attention. Look at FXI, which is the ETF for Chinese stocks, large cap Chinese stocks. Why don't you look at it? Make note of when I said this, which is today, June 2nd, and then call me six months from now and let's discuss it. See if I'm right or wrong, six months or a year, and see how it's performed. Maybe it won't. I'm not, you know, that's why I never buy too much of any one stock, because you just never know. But I, I think I think we have everything in place for them to make a run. We'll see. We shall see. Okay, on almost every podcast, I'd like to reserve a minute or two to remind listeners about what we offer here at KPP Financial. Uh, we are based in Irvine, California, Orange County, in Southern California. And KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking, shared success. And, of course, you know we, 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 we only use unbiased information. We, we don't have a bias. We don't, have, we don't buy guidance from some third party, which a lot of registered investment advisors do, you know. And sometimes it's hard to know that that's what they're doing with your money, that some other party is managing it. Not them, not the people you thought you gave it to. Also, we practice parallel investing to ensure that we are buying and selling the same things for our client as we do for ourselves, as we do. Uh, called par- we call it parallel investing. So I encourage you, to, encourage you to call us up, send us an email, contact us some way so we can see if we can help you. Yeah, we would love to help you if we can. You know, let's take a look at your portfolio. Maybe we're not, we won't be able to be your money manager. That's okay. But we still will try to help you as best we can. You know, you know we, Justin and I are awfully busy, so sometimes it takes a little time for us to get back to you. But, you know, we will help you, even if you don't become a client. We will. We want to help you. We really do. So let's get back to the calls, 888-99-CHART. We have a listener question asking about diversification. You might want to hear the answer. Give me a minute. We'll get to it. There is good news for loyal Invest Talk listeners, their friends, and families. 
Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, Justin Osti. This is Leo calling from Hawaii. I'm calling to get your recommendation on diversification on the various sectors. I've done a little research and seeing how my portfolio compares to various recommendations, specifically by Fidelity and Edward Jones. I know that there are different business cycles, but with the current market conditions, what would be your recommended percentages for each of the sector? Another thing I also noticed is that Edward Jones has one less sector than they recommend than Fidelity. Fidelity had 11 instead of 10 sectors that Edward Jones had. The one additional was on real estate. So just any advice on that would be appreciated. Thanks again for all the help. Okay, don't do real estate. It's already been a huge run. Why? They're too late. My problem with the big houses, which you just named two of them, is they're always, you know, they're always behind. You know, they say, well, do this, do that. But, you know, by the time you read it, you decide to do it, it's too late. So you do diversify into different sectors. I, I suggest no more than 15 to 18% in any one sector. And if you really want to lean hard on a particular sector because you think the prospects are really good and you know what you're doing, uh, no more than 20% at the max. Uh, we have been leaning hard. We've been leaning hard on, on particular sectors. And if you listen to the show at all, you know what they are, right? Um, uh, so... I don't necessarily, you know, too many sectors, you might as well buy the whole market. So that kind of worries me that they're recommending 15 sectors. I mean, how many sectors are there? There's not that many, 25? So it depends on what they call a sector because not everybody has the same terminology. I hope you realize that. They all have their own terminology. It's close, but it's not exactly the same. So, you know, if you, if, for instance, if you 20 sec, 20% of the sector, which is too much, that's only five sectors, right? So 15% of a sector is, two, 30, you know, is, it was, let's see, 30 is two, 60 is four, so seven, eight, right? I like it to be a little bit more specific. Probably no more than 10 at a time. Okay, um, that means you'll have three positions or so in each sector. If you maybe maybe you can't handle ha having thirty stocks, we like to see we we buy three percent of each stock usually, so we can have thirty three different stocks. But maybe you can't do that. But I wouldn't be lower than twenty, and twenty five seems to be between twenty five and thirty three is a good number. So um, I, I really think you should not listen to other people. Diversify. Do your own homework and try not to do what other people tell you what to do because it's usually too late. That's my personal opinion. Let's go to Noel in Napa. How are you doing, Noel? 
Uh, good afternoon, Steve. Uh, life is good. Uh, anyhow, I uh, hold, uh, I'm long, BG, use your term, I'm long BGS. Okay. And I love it. And uh, today it was up 12%, and I was yeah. wondering why, and I couldn't find any news. So the only thing I can figure is a short squeeze. And uh, and also, I'm, uh, what, do you, what do you think is the top in this stock? Uh I'm looking to, I'm holding out for $40 a share. What do you think? That, that's a possibility. Okay, this is BG, B&G Foods, Inc. BGS is the symbol. Manufactures shelf-stable food products such as jellies, hot sauces, sold in the U.S. and Canada. A commodity play, obviously. Uh, it's had very steady growth, even during the COVID period. It still had growth, uh, and the most recent quarter was 12%. Um, it had 2018, 22 to 38% growth during the COVID period because people stayed home, ate home, you know, right, and bought groceries. They pay a 5.6% dividend. They're going to make $2.27 next year. The five-year range of the PE is 6 to 24, and right now, they're, what, around 13 or so? And I think it has a very possible, it can easily get up to, I think it can get up to the $50 range. I think it can get there, okay? Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to take some profits off at 40, because that is a, that is a resistance point, okay? But... Back in 2016, it was trading in the um, uh, 50, got up as high as 52. And that, when it was doing that, the earnings was $2.07 a share, and it's going to make $2.27 next year. So uh, that's where your possibility is high as that. Okay? BGS, a good pick. I like the company. 888 chart, 888-992-4278. We're going to have lots of data out this week. Lots of data, even though it's a shortened, holiday-shortened week, Monday was a holiday, there's going to be a lot of data out tomorrow and Friday. We're just going to be swamped with some interesting data. Uh, Thursday, ADP jobs, job numbers. You know, the ADP, the private sector jobs that they predict every year, they think there's going to be 650,000 of them. The official report comes out on Friday. Guess what the, the experts think are going to come out? 1.2 million new jobs. The unemployment rate falling to 5.9 from 6.1. That's what the experts think on the official jobs report. Remember, the ADP at 650,000 only counts private sector jobs, whereas the official reports count private and public sector jobs. Jobless claims are going to continue to be going down. That's what the experts are saying. Quarter one, first quarter productivity is estimated to be at 5.5%. That's very good. We want higher productivity. It's very important for our economy to keep uh, producing more stuff at, at less cost if you want to keep inflation under control. Uh, first quarter unit labor cost, another inflation kind of figure, says that it's going to shrink three-tenths of a percent. Well, because if the productivity is very high, 5.5, that usually means that the, the unemployment, I mean, the uh, salaries are holding steady or going down. So we'll see what those numbers really bring us. 
And then they have the ISM services number out on Thursday, too. The big number this week is the Josh Board on Friday. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue after this break. So get your questions in now, 888 99Chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Will from New Orleans. I was just calling to uh, get your input on AMC stock. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing this, and, but it, it, it looks like it's doing the same thing GameStop has, was doing uh, a couple months ago. So I just wanted to see if it was, you know, smart enough to go ahead and jump in and just get the games and hurry up and get out. Just give me an answer back, and I'll listen on your podcast. Thank you. It's very difficult to do that. AMC is the symbol, AMC Entertainment. They produce, uh, they sold a bunch of shares to get a bunch of money. Remember who AMC is. Operates 590 movie theaters with 7,668 screens, primarily located in metropolitan areas in North America. So it's all about the movie business and a reopening, and everybody's all excited about it. Meanwhile... They just diluted all the shareholders by issuing a bunch of shares so they can gather some money because they're losing $7.85 per share in cash flow. A negative $7.85 per share. They're going to lose $3.33 this year after losing $16 a share last year. Next year, they're going to lose $0.96 a share, almost a dollar. Yes, it's going to turn around. Yes, they'll survive. I don't doubt that. But why in the world would you pay $62 stock and people are pushing this stock up just like the GameStop, just as you said. But you're, you're not going to make any money at this. This is a high-risk gamble. This is gambling. You could, hit, you could hit it. It's like Vegas. Matter of fact, I think Vegas, you have more, you have more chances of making it at Vegas on the roulette wheel by putting all your money on black than this stock. It's too risky. They don't make money. Uh, they shot up, what, uh, 139% this week, up 36% today? Something like that. It's crazy. And remember, they just diluted everybody, all the shareholders. That's when you dilute shareholders' value, it goes down. The stock goes down. This went up. Why? Because people are driving it up because they're not thinking rationally about it. That's why I don't get involved in this stuff. It's too risky. Why I don't, and I my money's too hard to earn. I won't I won't do it. That's AMC, everybody. By the way, did you notice I went to the movies last weekend for the first time in a long time? I saw Cry Cruella, Cruella the Disney movie. It was very good. I took a niece and two nephews, uh, and I was surprised how good that movie was. So, I, however, the same niece and two nephews will not go see uh, the uh, scary movies. I, I'm not a big scary movie fan, but there's a couple of them that are pretty good, and I like to watch them, but I can't convince. I only have only one nephew who's 
like older in his late twenties, and he likes scary movies. And I got thirty nephews, twenty nine nieces and nephews, but they're not getting older. I mean, my youngest one is now what fourteen. So, yeah, don't want to go to the movies with Uncle Peasley anymore. Anyways, eight 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 ninety nine chart is our number. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. My point about the movies and AMC is the theaters are reopening. So there will be a big rush. People want to be entertained. I think, uh, I think, I think we're way over, uh, way over our COVID fears. Now that half the country is vaccinated, and the entertainment business. And you just heard a commercial for Motel Six. When's the last time you heard a commercial of Motel Six? So those places are real. So we're going to have a pretty. Pretty significant expansion in our economy, okay? And the Fed still thinks we're not going to get inflation because of that. And it's not just expansion in our economy. It's expansion of all economies around the world. I'm I'm hard-pressed to believe that we're not going to have a significant amount of inflation. When I say significant, I'm not saying 13 15% in the United States. I'm saying, you know... Middle single digits, four or five. Could it go to six? Yes, I can see it. I can see that. Even higher, possible. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investor program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast. You can download it for free, as I say, every day. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Investor.com. And you can browse by topic. We've been having that available for a while now. So if you have a particular talk that you want to look up, we have it. Independent thinking, share success. This is the best talk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.